Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Friday edition of the PFT PM Podcast. Don't have a whole lot of time, so let's get right to it. Five down territory. By the way, programming note. We'll be in Orlando next week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, doing a lot of interviews, coaches, general managers, a little hobnobbing. Maybe having a coach or two confront me and tell me he doesn't appreciate a question that I asked during one of his interviews. That's that's happened before. Anyway, not sure what we're doing about the PFTPM podcast. Hopefully, we'll have time to do something. Chris Sims is going to be there all week. Maybe we'll get him to appear on the PFTPM podcast. I don't think he can contractually, though. He's got that Bleacher Report deal. But thanks in advance to Bleacher Report for allowing Chris to adjust his schedule and come with us. We're going to have some fun next week in Orlando. Let's have some fun for the next 45 minutes or so before I have to go. The Jets will have some fun if they can get Ndamukong Sue. And I vaguely recall that at some point, once it became clear that Ndamukong Sue was going to be available and that the Jets weren't going to get Kirk Cousins, I said, hey, you've already got that money budgeted to a big-name free agent, spend it on Sue. Multiple reports indicate that the Jets have made the biggest offer to Sue. He hasn't visited the Jets, though, has he? Saints, Titans, Rams was going to visit the Raiders, decided not to. Now, I don't know if he's going to visit the Jets. Someone explained to me last night, if the numbers are right when a guy makes a visit, he signs. And the indications here are that the numbers aren't where Sue wants them to be. And remember this, Sue notoriously works out on his own during the offseason. So why sign now for something that very well may be there later, and he'll have no pressure, direct or indirect, to show up for the offseason program if he's not on a team? Now, he runs the risk that teams that have interest in him now won't be interested in him later. But surely at least one of these teams will still say, sure, yes, please join us. So I think that as of right now, and I think Sue's talking to like one person in the media, guy with Yahoo. And okay, that's like having a team-owned website. All that's getting out is what Sue wants out. He may as well post his messages on Twitter. No one has gotten to the bottom of what Sue really wants. Does he want maximum dollars? Does he want chance to win? What does he want? Even though the Jets have made the best offer, if the offer was good enough, he would take it. He may just think it's not good enough. I'm better than what they've offered me. So we'll see how that plays out. Second down, at some point, the Cowboys are going to make an offer to Des Bryant, potentially, to take less money. Alan Hearns, two years, $12 million. Des Bryant due to make $12 million and a half this year. Now that the Cowboys have signed Hearns, who's not a number one receiver, they can go to Des Bryant, who can say to them, look, my contract says $12.5 million. The Cowboys can say to him, but you're not performing like a number one receiver. Hearns had 1,000 yards in 2015. You haven't had 1,000 yards since 2014. You're not performing like a number one guy. We can't pay you 
like a number one guy. How about we pay you the same way we're paying Hearns? And I've heard that the first year cash flow is $5 million, so 5 and 7 for Hearns. So what if they say to Dez, one year, $5 million? Now, the one thing they can do with Dez, and let me access his contract here. I think what they could do with Dez is say to him, we'll reduce your pay and then rip up the final year of the contract. That's what the Vikings did last week with Latavius Murray. He took a pay cut, and in turn, the Vikings agreed to make him a free agent after the 2018 season. Dez is under contract for two more years, $12.5 million each year, cap hits of $16.5 million each year. They could cut his pay and say after this season he'll be a free agent. We'll see how that plays out. Some people think in league circles that Dez is just going to get cut, that that's the next step. They have their Dez replacement. They have a guy who will produce roughly at the same level Dez does, and he will be less of an inherent distraction because people won't say, hey, Dak's got to throw the football to Alan Hearns. As they say, Dez needs the ball more from Dak Prescott, and what's the deal with Dak and Dez, and will they ever click? And that's not an issue if Alan Hearns goes in as the number two guy. Here's the problem, though. Who's your number one guy? If you cut Dez. Terrence Williams? I don't think so. Cole Beasley? Please. Ryan Switzer? He barely got on the field last year. So they need a number one guy. And maybe they'll get him in the draft. Maybe they'll hold on to Dez until after the draft. And maybe they'll get the best available receiver when they pick, I believe, at number 19. Third down, four years ago, Johnny Manziel was the 22nd pick. That's the kiss of death pick for the Browns. They picked Brady Quinn in that spot, Brandon Whedon in that spot, and then Johnny Manziel in that spot. Manziel had that pro day workout at the University of San Diego on Thursday. And look, we were probably guilty of this too. 13 scouts or scouts from 13 teams or or, or, however, however it was, however it was worded. They're not all there to see Manziel. And I don't know who else South Florida or South Florida, US, I'm thinking USF, USD. I don't know who else the University of San Diego has that would be scoutable, but someone pointed out to me today, and I have to find the text message, that there was one of these schools that doesn't have an obvious star player, and there were scouts from 15 teams there. So that's what they do. They send the scouts to these pro day workouts looking for a guy that may be good, that may be draftable or signable as an undrafted free agent. So. I don't know how interested anyone is in Manziel. He gets his chance next week at the Spring League when they start practice. Two weeks from Saturday, he'll play a game. I'm very interested to see what he does. I think a lot of people should be interested in what Manziel can do. And presumably, if he does well enough, somebody will sign him. Now, here's the thing. Can you trust him? He spoke to Bruce Feldman of SI.com, and he realizes he's down to his last chance. Now, according to Feldman, let me see this. I'm going to get this right. Manziel told Feldman that Manziel has been sober for almost 90 days, hasn't done any hard drugs in over a year. Now, I'm not really up on dates and times and how long we've heard things about comebacks and whatnot, but I'd like to think he's been sober for more than 90 days. 
Because I feel like I've been hearing that he's coming back for more than 90 days. And I hope he does get sober and stay sober. But the problem for any team, the challenge is, if you're going to entrust him with a job on the quarterback depth chart, you have to trust him. Unless you're willing to just make him some sort of a gadget player. I mean, if he's ever going to be a starting quarterback again, and I don't think he will be, he's an extension of your coaching staff. He's the guy who comes early and stays late, and you have to trust him to do that, to set the example that the other players follow. It's that simple. I remember when he was a rookie and there was talk that he was going to potentially start, and Jay Glazer reported that Manziel went to a Cavaliers game on a Tuesday night. And some people were critical of the criticism that Manziel received. He has his own life. It's their day off. Look, you're potentially going to start your first career game. You don't go to a basketball game. You don't take the night off. You got the whole offseason. The quarterback position requires film study, requires game plan study, requires playbook study, and it requires you to set the kind of example so that all the other players will do what they're supposed to do. I don't see anybody ever trusting him again because he fooled the Browns in 2014. He fooled the Browns in 2015. And fool me three times, definitely shame on, shame on me. I wish the guy well. I'm just being realistic. There's too many other people out there who can play. Between Colin Kaepernick and Johnny Manziel, are you kidding me? It's a no-brainer. Fourth down. Speaking of the Browns and Jimmy Haslam. Johnny Manziel, sorry. Speaking of the Browns and Johnny Manziel, I got ahead of myself. Jimmy Haslam has been attending some of these quarterback pro day workouts. Sam Darnold earlier this week. Josh Allen watching him throw the football over them mountains today. Contrast that with Christopher Johnson, the Jets owner, who's not attending any of these pro day workouts. None of them. He's letting his football people make football decisions. And I don't care how many times people tell Jimmy Haslam, point blank, get your fingers off of the steering wheel and let the people you trust run the operation. Because no matter how hard he tries, here's what happens. And think about this in your own workplace. See, I'm I'm always fascinated by these situations that are relatable and transferable to the rest of us. If you're doing your job and the boss is there, it's a different vibe than if you're trying to do your job Without the boss there. Without the boss there, you can do your job. You can do your job however you see fit. And you can focus on applying your skills and abilities and experience and instincts to do your job the best possible way. The boss shows up, it changes everything. Remember in school when the principal would decide to sit in at the back of the class? Remember the teacher always acted different? And the principal leaves and the teacher's normal again? I and and I look. I don't want to be overly critical of Jimmy Haslam. I'm trying to help the guy. He's not going to listen to me. Get away from the team. Let the people you trust run the team. And if you don't trust those people, then you need better people. You need someone you do trust to run the team. But don't hover over their shoulders. Don't be there. I know you want to be involved. I know it's fun. You know what's more fun? Winning games. You know how you win games? You get out of your people's hair. You don't hover over their shoulder. You don't impede them. You don't freak them out. Because I don't care how relaxed John Dorsey is going to act. 
If Haslam's hanging around, it's just another factor. It's just another thing for Dorsey to worry about. And then you have to read the tea leaves because the boss is never going to say. And I remember saying this back in 2014 with Manziel. One of the privileges of being a billionaire, you never have to say what you want. You surround yourself with people who are smart enough to figure out what you want. I think the example I used, boss walks through the front door. There's a big bowl of candy in reception. Let's say Butterfinger. I got a bag of Butterfingers down in the barn. Watch, I'm going to eat them all tonight watching the West Virginia game. He eats a Butterfinger, and he makes a comment. Man, that's the best piece of candy I've ever had in my life. What is that? Oh, it's a Butterfinger, sir. Boy, I really like those Butterfingers. So what happens next? Everywhere you go, every cabinet that you open, every drawer you pull out, every nook and cranny of the office has Butterfingers falling out of them if people are smart. Because the boss has made it clear. It's like it's like Steinbrenner wanting a calzone. Hell, I'm so, I didn't have to make up my own example. There's always a Seinfeld reference. Remember when Steinbrenner wanted the calzone? Big Stein! George went and got the calzone every day. Got him access. You give the boss what he wants. Now, Big Stein was a little more direct. But you get the point. You get the point. So, Jimmy... Stay away from the pro day workouts. Stay away from your football staff. Let them do their jobs. And don't express any preference, any favoritism. You think you know, but you don't know. And the smartest people know what they don't know. And the smartest people know when to trust those who have been entrusted with the task of finding the best football players. Because Jimmy... While you were running a truck stop operation, putting all your time and effort into that, developing an expertise in that business, these people were developing an expertise in finding football players, and you weren't. You've been doing it for five years. And not very well, I might add. Fifth down. This Michael Bennett story is bizarre. It's bizarre. Michael Bennett was attending the Patriots-Falcons Super Bowl as a spectator while his brother Martellus was playing. Michael Bennett was indicted today on felony charges associated with rushing the field after the game and pushing a 66-year-old paraplegic woman who was working at the stadium. According to the indictment, Bennett was told he couldn't access the field from where he was trying to gain entry. Instead of complying, he pushed the woman aside, injuring her. Here's what I want to know. Did the Eagles know about this when they traded for Bennett? I have a feeling the answer is no. I have a feeling the answer is no. They've issued the perfunctory statement. We're aware. Were you aware? I have a feeling the answer is no. And then the question is, Did the Seahawks know? Did the Seahawks know? And the Eagles didn't know. Interesting thing to know. I think we'll get some answers. Everybody's going to be in Orlando. Let me tell you this. If the Seahawks knew and the Eagles didn't, it's going to be very awkward when John Schneider and Howie Roseman cross paths in Orlando. And hopefully we'll be there. Cell phone device activated for that exchange. Now, in all seriousness... It's a serious allegation, in all seriousness. Seriously. It's serious. 
He pushed a 66-year-old paraplegic woman and injured her, allegedly. He's been indicted. When Michael Vick was indicted on felony charges related to dogfighting, I remember somebody, oh, it's just dogs. Okay, this is a human. This is a bigger deal then. If the defense for Michael Vick was, oh, it's just dogs, who cares? Yeah, who cares if he's brutally killing these dogs in cold blood because they were deemed unfit to fight and fighting these dogs and gambling on it? Who cares? What's the NFL going to do? What would the NFL do if it was training camp right now when this happened? Would they suspend him indefinitely? I've asked the NFL for a statement. Let me see what we got here from the NFL. Check the email. I haven't checked it here. Anything from BMAC? We are looking into the matter, says Brian McCarthy. I probably should post that. All right, that's fifth down. Serious situation. What will the NFL do? Will they put him on paid leave? I have noticed that the NFL resists putting players on paid leave during the offseason because there's nothing on which to be. Wait a minute, let me try that again. I'm trying to get my prepositions right. There's nothing from which to be on leave. Ding! All right. So, uh, strange situation. And uh, if a crime was committed, then there should be a consequence. It's that simple. It's that simple. All right, time to answer some questions, then we'll wrap this thing up. First question comes from Terry Gensler, 14. Has Philadelphia proposed the rule to allow more than one helmet again this year? That was a proposal that the Eagles made last year. Because the NFL decided four or five years ago that it would be prudent from a health and safety standpoint for players to only use one helmet all year long. Now, the powers that be at college football haven't come to that same conclusion because some of these schools, they use 20 different helmets for 14 games. I think they change helmets at halftime. I'm, I'm exaggerating. I, I, that Look, I, I will gladly wear the get off my lawn necklace. The big sign that says get off my lawn. Big gold get off my lawn necklace. I'll gladly do it. Because I don't like turning on my TV and not knowing who the hell's playing. I know they've got the box on there now. But even if it tells me it's Oregon and Oregon State, I don't know who's Oregon or Oregon State. They got different uniforms every week. I don't like the West Virginia uniforms. One week it's a yellow helmet. Then it's a white helmet. Then it's a blue helmet. Then it's this helmet. Then it's that helmet. Then it's this jersey. Then it's that jersey. I understand they do that because the kids they're trying to recruit think it's cool. I think Penn State's uniforms are cool. I think Michigan's uniforms are cool. I know. I know. You'll get off my lawn. Anyway, the Eagles didn't propose that again this year. And a lot of people would like to see it. The Patriots throwbacks. I still think teams can get creative. Right? Look at what the Broncos do with their color rush. They put their old D logo, that big orange D, on their dark blue helmet. They can't use the the old light blue helmet. It looks, it looks neat. Do that. You can get very creative. The Patriots come up with a Pat Patriot logo that looks good on the silver helmet. Do that. I think that would be great. Any of these teams that want to use a different colored helmet, just you can use different stickers. I remember when the Vikings did their color rush. I didn't like the purple on purple with the yellow everywhere. They should have taken that horn and made it yellow. All yellow. That You can do all sorts of creative things. So you don't need to have a different helmet color, although I think it's kind of stupid that they only are allowed to have one helmet. Terry Gensler asks, how was the bowling the other night? Terry Gensler, you didn't listen on Wednesday. I told the entire bowling story. I'm not going to bore anyone again who happened to hear it on Wednesday. Terry, 
Go to Wednesday's podcast. It's at the very end. Just go all the way to the end. I talk about it on the way out. But I am looking forward to going bowling again. That should give you a nutshell on how the night of bowling went. At B. Flofo Show. So Osweiler goes to Miami, but Tannehill is our guy. Trust me, Osweiler is not supplanting Ryan Tannehill. Osweiler is supplanting Matt Moore. Matt Moore's out. Osweiler's in. Tannehill's still the starter. Should the Eagles cut Michael Bennett, asks O.P. Hernandez, 81. Uh, look, they, they got a mess here. Did they trade for him and not know? And now that they do know, do they dump him? There's nothing they can do to the Seahawks. If the Seahawks had inside information about a looming indictment, they had no obligation to share it with anyone. With some of these things like substance abuse policy suspensions, PED suspensions, you can find out where... Things stand with the league office, but if the league office isn't even aware, did anybody know? That's the thing I want to know about. Was there an arrest? How did he even get to this point where he's indicted? Was there nothing that happened before this? I got to look. I, I got to do some work and find out what's going on with this. Another one from O.P. Hernandez. Is it possible that ESPN, the magazine, ranked Peyton Manning really higher than Tom Brady? On a top 20 list, they published some days ago to lure him to call Monday Night Football games. I like the cynicism. I think Manning's already told them no. I don't know what was going on with that. I just think it was aimed at creating something that we'll all talk about, and it worked. Another one from O.P. Hernandez. Appreciate it. Three straight questions. Bing, bang, pow. Why don't they put some sponsorship on the medical tent? Oh, I think they will. I think it's just a matter of time. They, they, they'll, they'll go with nothing until they get the money they want. For a couple of years, there was nothing on the headset after Motorola. And then Bose stepped up and Bose is on there. They'll go with nothing before they go with less. At Terry Gensler 14, if the Giants take Saquon Barkley and not Bradley Chubb, will it be a blessing in disguise for the Browns? They take Chubb at four and have the next two great pass rushers, which seems to be the next most valuable position. I, I don't know what the Browns will do at four if the Giants take Barkley. I think the Giants should trade down a spot with the Jets and take Chubb at three and let the Jets take the second quarterback on their board instead of the third quarterback on their board if they're going quarterback. At Recliner QB, will Des take less money or will they cut him? We'll see. Some people are in the league think that he's going to get cut. I think before you cut him, you try to get him to take less money. At who is the J-Man? Who is the J-Man? Does Gruden spending time in the booth change the way he views the game? Is this beneficial? I feel like his moves so far are for guys who have had spotlight time before and are now fading. Gruden told me when he was on PFT Live back in January that being in the booth has given him a different perspective because he's been able to go to a bunch of different facilities and see how teams do things. And he's taken notes. And he see how different teams do their business. So now he can handle that. I don't think he's just attracted to stars that he's seen over the last eight years. I think he wants guys who know his system. Jordy Nelson knows his system. That's why Jordy Nelson's more attractive to him than Michael Crabtree. We'll see if it plays out. Sergio D, with regards to the changing of defensive pass interference, wouldn't 25 yards or half the distance to the goal be a good compromise. I I think they just stick with what they have, and it sounds like that's what's going to happen. The Jets have proposed proposed this change, not the competition committee. The competition committee's not behind it. I don't think it's going to get 24 owners. There's no reason for it. 
There's been no outcry. Like, the catch rule's changing because of an outcry. There's no looming embarrassment. If it's an officiating problem, don't change the rule. Improve the officiating. That's the only argument I've heard in favor of changing it. Well, there's some ticky-tack fouls down the field. Well, okay, then work on your officiating. Or, or clarify the standard. Or use replay review. You don't want to give up a 50-yard chunk of field position by accident. I get that. But I don't think changing the rule is the way to fix it. At the Impact 99, do you believe Matt Ryan's new deal is holding up the Falcons' free agency moves, or is that just the narrative they're pushing to get it done quicker? Look, free agency, the first wave of it's over. If the Falcons were going to parlay Matt Ryan's new deal and the cap savings that go with it into free agency moves, they, they already would have done the deal. And, and I look at it this way. There are ways that you can do these deals where you can take advantage of whatever cap space you have now and you can sign other players. And if you want to sign Matt Ryan, you can sign Matt Ryan. You can work it out. You can work it out if you really want to. The question is, when does Matt Ryan want to do a deal? If I'm Matt Ryan, there's no reason to do one now. I want to see what Aaron Rodgers gets before I do a deal. At Sham God, do you think there could be some transcendent prospect that could skip the combine altogether and only do pro days and dare teams not to draft them because of skipping the underwear Olympics. Well, I say skip everything. Take no further physical risk. The hay's in the barn. You want to draft me, draft me. If you don't, one of your competitors will draft me. I'd love to see a modern-day Dion say, I'm not doing any of this crap. I'm not doing the Wonderlick. I'm not doing interviews. I'm not doing anything. This is not a job interview, right? You want me. I don't want you. And if you want me, draft me. And if you don't, don't. But somebody will, and they're going to be happy that they do. Now, that could scare some people off because they want robots. But th- th- there's this just this subtle conditioning and brainwashing that th- it's an honor and a privilege to go risk your health at the scouting combine. You got some of these players, they, they look forward to it like it's, like it's uh, American Gladiators, and they finally get a chance to be on the show. It's a hell of a scam the NFL's running to convince these guys to provide them with free content by participating in these events that otherwise fill the void that isn't football season, I probably shouldn't be complaining about it because I benefit from it as well. At the Impact 99, have there been any developments on either side of the Washington name change dilemma? No, no because I, I think politically this isn't a good time for it, right? The election of 2016 was all about a rejection of the Political correctness gone amok. Who, who cares if people are actually offended? I mean, you know where I stand on this. I don't use the term because I am deferring to and respecting the Native Americans who are actually offended. What, what happens is the people who refuse to change the name say that, well, they shouldn't be offended or they're not really offended. The white men who feel guilty about everything that we did to Native Americans are the ones who are offended, but the Native Americans aren't. And that's just false. There are Native Americans who are offended. Well, they shouldn't be. Well, they are. You know, it's the flip side of the national anthem debate. If you tell people who are offended by men who are kneeling during the anthem, even though they mean to disrespect that they shouldn't be offended, what do they say? I don't care. I still am. Okay, fine. Now you know how the Native Americans feel. Don't tell people whether they should or shouldn't be offended. If they are, you factor that into your behavior. If there's anything that we are doing as human beings while interacting with other human beings or the world at large, that is offensive, that is reasonably offensive to someone else, should we consider not doing it? 
It doesn't matter if it wouldn't offend us. This is where the golden rule has to take a backseat to the platinum rule. You don't treat others how you would like to be treated. You treat others the way they would like to be treated. Because sometimes there are people that we encounter in life that are a little more sensitive than we are. There are things that don't bother me that I know bother other people, so I don't do those things. Or at least I try not to. Sometimes, you know, you're just oblivious and you do dumb stuff. So anyway, I don't see it changing now. And part of it also is the opposition, even though there are, even though there are uh, Native American groups that have coalesced and are opposing this, they, they just... They just can't find a way to make it resonate. And I still think at some point in the next 50 years, the name will change. But for now, nothing. At Sham God, why does any quarterback who isn't perceived as one of the top five quarterbacks in the draft throw at the combine, especially when you have the Chris Sims of the world downgrading your abilities as he did with Lamar Jackson? Well, it's a it's a 50-50 proposition. Glass half full, glass half empty. I'm not a top prospect, so I'm going to throw so I can prove to people that I am. I think the risk is if you are a top prospect, if you are perceived as one of the top quarterbacks, you don't want to go and do something that causes that to change. That's why Sam Darnold didn't throw at the combine. He'd rather throw at the pro day workout, and it worked. People are praising his pro day. We're three weeks removed from the combine, and that's all forgotten. Mike Mayock was wagging a finger at Sam Darnold on NFL Network, the broadcast operation that directly benefits from these guys choosing to work out. And... Fortunately, people ignored it. And the teams, it's not going to affect his draft stock. And, and that's the thing. Mayock said that. I like Mike. I, look, and, and I mean, I'm t- I would say this to Mike if I were talking to him right now, and I'm sure he would tell me what he thinks about my opinion. But Mayock said, well, I want to see this guy compete. But then Mayock said in the same breath, it's really not going to affect his draft stock if he doesn't do this. Okay, fine. Well, then he's got nothing to gain. He's got nothing to gain and everything to lose by going out and having a, a shitty day at the scouting combine. So if you're a top prospect, all the more reason not to. If you're not a top prospect, you want to go prove that you are. At Terry Gensler 14, is it possible to do a podcast with Peter King one of these days? Love when you have him on PFT. Always great conversation. I will take that under advisement. We'll see if we can get him. He's busy and I hate to impose upon him, but uh, I'll ask him. At Riley TTW, have you watched any CFL in the past two years? Coaches have the ability to challenge everything, including non-calls on things like pass interference. In my opinion, this has a negative effect on the game in terms of flow and fairness. Why would more coaching challenges be good in the NFL? Look, there's two different issues here. There's having the ability to fix a mistake, and then there's a process that fixes a mistake quickly and efficiently and fairly. I think the NFL needs to aspire to fix everything and to fix anything in a way That is quick, that is fair, and that is practical. (laughs) But some of these questions, be flow, fo, show, do you eat breakfast? What kind of question is that? Yes. Is is the next question going to be, what do you eat for breakfast? I'm getting a little creeped out here. At Gears of Ted, which coach has the hottest seat in 2018? Who is most likely to be fired midseason? I'd say right now Dirk Cutter's got the hottest seat because if Mark Davis weren't paying... Jay, uh, Jay, John Gruden, $10 million a year, they would have hired John Gruden in Tampa and fired Dirk Cutter. At B. Flofo Show, who has more receptions in 2018, Des Briner, Alan Hearns. I'm going with Hearns because I still think there's a chance Des isn't on the team. 
B, let me tell you, my, my good friend Brady, otherwise known as B Flow Faux Show, must be bored this afternoon. Friday's a bad day to do this. I'm getting a lot of questions unrelated. Scotch or bourbon or Irish whiskey? Here's the thing. Because I cut it all with Coke Zero, there really isn't a huge variation in the taste. I can't drink it straight, neat or on the rocks. I can't do it. I got to have a little carbonation. I got to have a little dilution of that kick. So bourbon, I guess bourbon. I, I'll, look, I'll, drink, I'll drink anything that's brown and has 80, 90 proof in it. Two, three drinks. And just have a nice glow, smoke a cigar. Probably do that tonight watching the West Virginia game. All right, I got to run here. Let's see what else we got. How many games does Michael Bennett get asking for a Cowboys fan friend? Yeah, I mean, if he's guilty of of a crime of violence against anyone, the baseline suspension is six games. This is a crime of violence allegedly against a 66-year-old paraplegic woman. I'd say he's getting at least six games. There's a question also from my good friend Brady, not about my own personal habits, but how does the Las Vegas incident factor into this? And let's not lose sight of the fact that that Las Vegas incident, there was an element out there that wanted to paint Michael Bennett as a liar because he said he was the subject of racial profiling. Well, he believed he was. And I know that the Las Vegas police put out this video of like a montage of the various body cameras, but the actual body camera on the officer that did the things that Michael Bennett alleged were improper, that guy didn't have his body camera on. So we still don't know. But people assume he was lying. He, there's no evidence he was lying because the body camera on the cop wasn't on. That's separate and apart from this incident. This incident stands alone. If this is true, this is despicable and he needs to be punished for it. That doesn't make him a liar as to the thing that happened last year in Las Vegas. So it's two different things. And I don't think that will be a factor in any way in this other incident, because he's not accused of of doing anything wrong in Las Vegas. All right, I should probably wrap this up. I got some things I got to do. We will try to do this next week. At the latest, I'll do it Thursday. I'll try to do it from Orlando, Monday, Tuesday, and or Wednesday. There's plenty of things to talk about, plenty of interviews we can present to you. We'll see what we can do. Check us out all weekend long at profootballtalk.game. We will be with you Wait a minute. Did I say that right? Pro foot, I'm, I haven't been drinking whiskey yet, I swear. Profootballtalk.com. We will see you from Orlando on Monday for PFT Live. Chris Sims will be there. We already have a bunch of interviews scheduled, and more are being scheduled all the time. We look forward to that. It's always fun because when we do these in Orlando, there's there's something about the meetings. It's it's always at a nice place. And and the people are more relaxed. They're They're far enough removed from football season. And they're still far enough away from ramping up for the next one. It's a perfect donut hole to get them in a spot where they're a little more relaxed, they're a little more open, and the business they're focused on is unrelated to the business of their team. It's more about league business. So it's a great time to get them, and we look forward to doing that. We look forward to talking to you. Thank you for your time. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll talk at some point next week. Thanks. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.